Hi, this is Ali Ciardo and the Photo Field Notes podcast, and I'm back after a longer break than I originally anticipated. My original plan was to start the podcast back up in the fall, and I was teaching a new class at Michigan State plus another class I'd already been teaching, and then through kind of an administrative, um, like a little bit of a mix-up, I ended up with an extra class that I wasn't anticipating, and so I had 100 students, and then I was still running my full-time business in photography with more work than ever because of weddings that had been rescheduled from 2020. And so something had to give, and the podcast was what had to give. So I've been sitting on at least 10 interviews since last summer, and it is time for me to share these interviews. So we're going to start with Rachel Bohr, who is a master at in-person sales and selling, and we'll get into some other great interviews um, in the coming weeks. I'm very excited to share, so let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Photo Field Notes podcast, where you'll find stories, tips, and inspiration from professional photographers to get you taking action in your own business and making your business dreams a reality. Hey, this is Ali Ciardo, and today I am with Rachel Bohr, who is a portrait photographer who's based out of Memphis, Tennessee. Rachel's a certified professional photographer. She has 12 years of experience in the portrait business, right around where I am, actually. Um, And she also holds a photographic craftsman degree from the PPA. I think if any of you have heard of Rachel, it's probably through IPS Mastermind, which is a business education platform that helps photographers run their businesses with more confidence and more profitability. Rachel, hello. Hi, thanks for having me. So I always start with backstory and I want to hear a little bit like quickly how you got into photography. And then I really want to hear a little bit about how your world took you to in-person sales. Sure, absolutely. So I started out actually as a musician. I was a violinist and played classically and studied that way um, all the way through college. And soon after college, when I got married, settled down and started having some kids, I realized that I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to do something artistic, but I was a little bit burnt out on music. So I picked up a camera when my first son was born and just started photographing, you know, him and friends and family. And pretty quickly, you know, people started saying, hey, you should start a business, right? I didn't know anything about business at that point. I had never even cracked a business book, but I decided I was going to do this. So I started charging, this is always embarrassing to have to say this, but I started charging about $40 for a session plus all the digitals. I mean, that's the the range I was in, bargain basement pricing. I just didn't know what I was doing and I didn't understand how I needed to calculate things like my cost of doing business and my cost of goods to really make sure I was pricing profitable. Yeah, so that so was my first big mistake. Yeah. So almost like portfolio building era yes. at this point. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But then I kind of got stuck there because I told myself nobody will pay more than that. Right. I looked around my area and I saw some other folks charging bargain basement prices. And I thought that's what the market's going to bear. So that's all I can charge. Pretty soon I realized though, that that wasn't going to work long-term. I wouldn't be able to sustain my business. So I incrementally started upping my prices and, you know, it was working okay for a year or two, but then I heard about (laughs) this concept of in-person sales and specifically selling products rather than just selling digital images. And my first thought was, well, nobody wants to buy expensive albums or canvases for their wall, right? Like, isn't that kind of old fashioned? And the mentor who was teaching me said, oh no, I have a $5,000 average from, you know, every single client coming in and they almost all get albums and wall art. They love this. People really want this stuff on their walls. I couldn't believe it. So I decided I was going to try it. And just overnight, I decided to just triple my pricing, start offering products and see what happened. I was prepared for it to be a total fail, but my first sale 
just blew me out of the water. They bought six large canvas pieces that night. And all I had brought was a single canvas to show them. And I realized you've heard that old adage, like you sell what you show. That was totally true for me. So off of that first sale, I bought more samples and I started showing all these beautiful products and lo and behold, people wanted them. They were buying them. And so my business really took off. Um, and I was able to start not only really being profitable in my own business, but then teaching others about this idea of selling in person because it was so powerful for me and I wanted to spread the word. So from there, I started teaching other people and out of that grew this group that we call IPS Mastermind. And the whole idea around that is just giving photographers the tools and the education they need to make this kind of drastic transformation in their business, whether they're selling in person today or not. We've got stuff in there about marketing, branding, pricing, all the things you need. Like you need all these building blocks to come together. And so my program, it's called Revive, and it's set up to be that kind of step-by-step -step plan for photographers. And I love, love, love talking and teaching about IPS. When you started, I want to hear from where you started to where then you, you ended up. When you did that first sale with that one canvas, did you have a space? Were you going to their home or where were you? I was going to their home. That's all I had at the time. Uh, I was a mom with three young kids and a minivan and no studio. So I thought if I'm going to do this, I have to go to their house. I don't have another choice. So I was going to clients' homes. I was meeting sometimes in a small apartment, a large home, sometimes a Starbucks or a Panera, um, sometimes outside. I remember meeting a client at a park one time, really wherever I could find a quiet meeting space. Uh, and I actually continued that way for many years without a studio. And it was really um, very doable. Uh, later, I did get a studio, which I do love the convenience of having clients come to me, but certainly if you don't have a space, that doesn't need to be something that stops you from selling. And then tell me uh, one thing when I was doing in-person sales, it definitely, it definitely worked for me. And I, I remember sharing a studio. It was like a, a co-op kind of studio yeah. where I had my days and then upstairs was a videographer. And so he'd be upstairs and I would like go upstairs for a little bit to give them time to like, sometimes it was watch the slideshow. Sometimes it was um, to make a decision. I'd be like, Oh, I just, I'll go upstairs. I'll be right back. And then I would always go up to him and be like, Oh my gosh, this like in-person sales thing really works. Look at the sale that I just got. Like I'd get really excited with that. Um, yeah. But, but one thing I would realize is that I felt like I was spending too much time. Sometimes maybe I wasn't preparing them very well. Like mm -hmm. I would get the great sale, but I, it was taking sometimes really long. And actually now mm -hmm. I'm remembering when I changed my model, it was because I spent maybe like an hour and a half, two hours with a couple and they ended up purchasing like a big album and a bunch of other stuff. And then the next day I was on a plane about to head for a girls weekend in Puerto Rico. And I got a message and they were like, we realized that we overspent and we can't afford this. Can we have a refund of everything? And I was like, yeah, I just spent two hours with you and now it's yeah. all wasted. And I was like, I don't want to do that again. So, um, <laughs> so talk, Tell yeah. me about like the balance of how much time you spend with each client, because yeah. I think that's also a big point that a lot of people fear. And then um, like how you maybe, I don't know if you can make it faster or, you know, why it's yeah. still worth it in the end. That's a great question. I mean, there definitely is a trade-off when you decide to sell in person, you are planning on giving a more customized, personalized service. that's a little bit more hands-on high touch. And so you are going to be spending more time with that client. For me, the difference is completely worth it because I'm making three, four, five times more money with that one client than I would be, you know, in my old shoot and burn days. In fact, <laughs> from where I started, I'm making a hundred times more. And so 
it's worth it to me to sit down and have that experience with the client where, yeah, we may spend an hour, hour and a half together, but at the end, you know, in a, in a good situation, not the one you described, but in the end, they're satisfied. I'm satisfied. They're happy. We were able to answer all their questions, order some beautiful products for them and get them in their hands. And so that hour and a half or two hours that that process takes is more than worth it for me financially. And also it's just really fulfilling for me. Like I love that experience of making sure my client ends up with what they really want to have in hand. Now, there's definitely things you can do, I think, to minimize the amount of time that it takes. I know when I started my IPS um, sales, they used to take a long time, like an hour, two hours. I remember one was three hours because they were really indecisive. And I was really passive as a salesperson at that time. So I would just kind of sit back and be quiet and say like, well, let me know what you want to do. And I wasn't really taking an active role in helping them make these decisions. So the more experience I got, the more I realized that people want that expertise. They want you to be the one to say, you know what, based on what I see here in your home and based on these images, I think this would look amazing above the mantle. I think these two would look amazing in the nursery. And I think you should do these for the album. And if you come in with recommendations, nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, yeah, that sounds great because they trust you. And let's face it, they're overwhelmed too. They need your help. And so once you're able to really confidently make those recommendations, the sale goes way quicker. I've had sales that were 10 minutes, no joke, because I came in with a plan of, if I was you, I would get this, 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 and that in these sizes. And the client said, sounds good. Here's a check, you know? And sometimes it is just that easy. And that leads to a lot more client satisfaction because they feel like they've made the right choice since the expert is the one who recommended those things. I agree. And I think that in my world, there have been times in a bunch of different areas where clients yeah. come in with a question that I'm the expert. And at first I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know. It might be like, Hey, what do you think about this outfit versus this outfit? And at first I would be like, what do I know? And then I was like, wait a minute, I do have an opinion actually. And if I like, I do have it. And if I tell you that with confidence, you're going to feel good about that. Same with simple things. Like somebody will say, well, which album cover do you prefer? And I'll be like, I think you should use this one because like, it's my opinion. I think it's going to look good, but it's not the right answer or the wrong answer. But if you tell them that they're going to go with it because like you do have a style and an opinion and it's valuable. So I want to kind of put that out there for people who are like, how, what kind of expert am I to make that decision? I don't know their style. Like they don't know their style. <laughs> they, came <to laughs> they, you because, they came to you because they like your style and that's like, they respect that and they'll listen to it. So yeah, that's a great now, point. Now getting into messaging and connecting with your ideal client, I want to tell like two really quick off, it'll seem off track stories, but okay. just because they're relevant and they'll, they'll, I hopefully will bring it back around. Um, I think that a lot of us sit there and we say, this person like, isn't out there. Like, Oh, this is such a risk. So first story, when I started a market research company years and years ago, we needed to hire someone part-time for like, we could only afford at the time. We only needed a part-time position. And my worldview was that everyone wanted a full-time job because I was fresh out of college. I wanted a full-time job. I thought everybody wants a full-time job. No one's going to want this part-time job. I've probably told this story before on the podcast, but when we put out the applicate or the job posting, we got a hundred applications. Everybody want, you know, tons of people wanted this part-time job. They all had different reasons. Um, similar story. Just a couple of weeks ago, we bought a condo, our very first like rental to rent out in East Lansing. 
And it seemed really risky because it was right before school starting. So we're recording, this is going to go out a little bit later, but we're actually recording this in early August. So um, when we bought it, it was really close to school starting. It seemed really risky because a lot of students rent their places well in advance. And I thought, no one's going to want to rent this now, nobody. And then we put it online. And within like two days, I had like, I don't know, 10, 15 people. I had three people like fighting over it angrily, like I want it. (laughs) And actually like it came down to me thinking, well, no one's going to want this. This is just crazy. What are we doing to like, oh, wow, everybody has a reason why they're moving last minute. And so I think that those, every time you experience something like that, where like somebody pushes outside of your worldview and shows you that what you think, what you would do and what you want is not what the world (laughs) at large will do and wants. And so I try to remind myself of those things as I'm thinking about things like that, like reaching my ideal audience, that they have a lot of things in common with me, but there's a lot of stories that make it not the same. And you have to remember that. So when you think they're not out there, oh my gosh, they're out there. So absolutely. And, and to that point, I was having a coaching call yesterday with some of my revive members and I was asking them about like limiting beliefs fears, hesitations, and doubts, things like that. We were doing a call around that topic. And the very first question I asked was like, what is a limiting belief that you keep hearing echoing in your mind? What is the one thing that just, you get stuck on it and you can't get past it. And so many people answered like, no one will want to pay my prices. No one will want to buy my art. No one is going to like my photos. You know, it's, it's this belief that there's no one out there who's going to be the right fit for me, you know? And I think that's such a common fear, especially the one, no one's going to pay these prices. And, and as we dug into that, I asked them a little bit more and it comes down to, they said, because I wouldn't pay these prices. So no one else will. And it's exactly what you said. If we wouldn't do it, we assume that everybody else wouldn't. Right. But Like being on the other end of it, you know, when I was just starting, I was 23 years old. Uh, We were poor, you know, my husband's a pastor. We had a bunch of little kids. We didn't have any money. And so at that time, no, I couldn't have paid my own prices because I couldn't afford me yet. But now down the road, you know, we have successful businesses and we're able to have a little bit more expendable income. And now I am that person who would pay those prices. And now looking back, I can see that limiting belief held me back for so long because I thought no one is going to do this since I wouldn't do it, but it's what you said. It's just outside your own worldview, outside your own experience. There are people living very different lives and making different decisions. And we have to trust that those clients are there. Those clients with expendable income are there. The clients that really value and love your wall art are there. All you have to do is create messaging. That's going to attract those people. And just going along with limiting beliefs for one more minute, what do you say to people who are saying like you were in the early days while I looked around and I compared Mm -hmm. myself and everybody else seems like they're charging this. So I can't change that model. That's a great question. One thing I've learned about the industry is that it's really crowded at the lower end of the pricing scale. It's really crowded. If you look around, photographers are a dime a dozen. They're on every street corner. If you Google, there's probably a hundred photographers in your area who are charging very little. So that area is really crowded to try to be heard and to make a name for yourself when you're competing with hundreds of other people is very difficult to do. That middle tier is also crowded, but not as much so, right? It's, it's, there are fewer people that are charging in the, let's say for portraits, you know, 600 to 1200 range. Let me call that the middle tier on average in the States. And then the upper end of the market, 1200 plus, and I'm talking all the way up to 
who knows, hundred thousand dollars, right? The scale, the sky's the limit there on the high end, but um, that high end is extremely open. <laughs> there are not as many photographers there. And you might think, well, isn't that a sign that that's not where you want to be? No, actually it's the perfect place to position your business because there is very little competition. When I have a client come to me, they often say something like, we really wanted to find a really good photographer. We know this is going to be our only baby, or we know this is going to be our last family wedding or whatever it is, something really monumental is happening. And we did not want to choose a budget photographer. We wanted somebody really good. Now, how do they know that I'm really good? I don't think I'm that much better of a photographer than anybody else. I think I'm an average, decent photographer, but they infer that I'm extra super good because my pricing is higher than anyone else around. And so that kind of uh, positioning that you get to choose is a really powerful thing. And yes, you can go low and drop down and down and have discounts and sales and offers, and you can do promotions until you're blue in the face, but all you're going to be doing is competing with a larger group of people. It doesn't make good business sense. So I like to aim high, go high and stay high, and then attract those people who are looking for something really luxury and really special. Yeah. And a lot of that is in the experience, the overall client yeah. experience, you know, the photos may be you know, hopefully great, but a lot yeah. of that is the experience. So let's talk about that marketing messaging. When we want to connect with their ideal clients is what are some things that you're doing that might be overlooked by a lot of people beyond the obvious? What are some things that you can recommend that have worked for you um, for connecting with those people who want that higher level of service and want that guidance to get some art on their walls at the end of the day, instead of just like, you know, throwing some digitals on their hard drive. Sure. I think the first thing to remember is that your photographs, no matter how beautiful they are, are not enough to sell on their own. Uh, we all wish we could just put up beautiful photos on social media or on our website and clients would just come flocking to us, but it doesn't happen. We need to put more effort into our actual words and the messaging we are communicating to our clients. Because I see a lot of photographers who choose marketing messaging that is very, very generic. What I mean is if I go to 10 websites of photographers in Chicago, um, I am likely to see the same phrases repeated over and over, the same promises, the same descriptions. It's going to be, we offer beautiful, timeless photography to capture the moments you love. It's a lot of this very generic. It's sweet. It's, it's fine. But it doesn't say anything that really speaks to me as a customer. It doesn't tell me why should I hire you instead of someone else? It doesn't tell me how is it going to make my life better if I hire you instead of someone else? What am I going to feel when I get done working with you? How is this going to take pressure off of me or take something off of my plate or make me feel good about myself in a new way when I hire you? And people need to hear those words. They need to hear, you know, everybody has pain points, right? Some reason why they're coming to you for photography. It's not just, we need photos. That's the surface level, but there's a pain point underneath that. Like, you know, this is my last baby and I know how fast time flies. And I don't want to forget these moments because I've realized that I can't hang on to this, this phase in my life. That makes me um, have this sense of almost like desperation that I need to freeze this moment, you know, or my child is graduating. This is the culmination of all of these years of effort and love poured into this child. And these photographs are like a memorial to the monumental effort that it took our entire family to get this kid here or whatever it is. Every family has a reason they're coming to you, 
and they have pain points and struggles. A lot of those relate to time. Our clients are really busy. Our clients are distracted. Our clients are juggling a thousand things. And so if we can take something off their plate, you know, and printing is like that. If we can take that step off their plate and say, hey, I'll get these printed for you. They're going to be beautiful. They're going to be ready to hang. In fact, I'll even hang them on your wall, right? If we can take anything like that off their plate, people will pay for that service, you know? And it's more than just about the picture. The photograph is probably lovely, but it's more about how can I meet my client where they're at, talk to them in a way that makes them feel something and get them excited about that experience I can offer. Instead of a generic message like, um, now booking fall sessions, book today, <laughs> that doesn't tell me anything that's gonna make me wanna book. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about actually showing, I found for me, this is kind of like a question with an answer in my opinion already, but I want to hear your opinion too. That's okay. um, so one thing that I've done that's made a humongous difference in selling prints is showing prints in online. You know, obviously when I was doing in-person sales fully in person, when they could touch the album, when they could like feel everything they were like the, the display that I had on my wall was the display I sold more than anything else because they were like, well, that's pretty. I'll take that. (laughs) So, um, so now that I'm doing it without meeting in person, and especially for a lot of people who have been like doing things from afar in, you know, the COVID era or whatever that looks (laughs) like, um, that made things a little bit different for people. I found that, I basically like online, every other image that I share is some form of printed product. And yeah. that people, it, I'm kind of like, I don't know who's seeing this. Like I'll look at my stats and everything, but it comes back to me because people say, oh, I saw this thing on Instagram or I saw this thing on your website. And I really liked that. Like, well, I want that. So do you do that or do you find that your experience is more hands-on in a way where they're just seeing it in your studio and that's how they decide that's what they want? No, that initial online way that we present our, our work is so important because I have, uh, you know, students that come to me and say, well, nobody seems to want products. They just want digitals. And then when I go look at their website and I go look at their Instagram and their Facebook, all they've shown is digitals for years. They have hundreds of digitals on there and they haven't shown the products. So, of course... The clients aren't being preconditioned to want those things because they can't see them. We don't generally want something until we lay eyes on it. If you tell me, hey, I heard about this place. They have really beautiful dresses. They're really lovely. You would like them. I'm going to be like, okay. But if you show me an ad with this gorgeous dress on a beautiful model, I'm going to be like, man, I want that dress. Okay. So we have to show it. We can't just sort of talk about it or hope that they're going to get some subliminal messaging. So I say, you've got to have products. I like what you said. You said like every other image is like some kind of product image. That's a great just guideline to set for yourself so that you don't fall behind in showing off those beautiful products. And it can be little things you can show. um, You can show an unboxing video. Those are fun. You know, showing a new product that's just come in. You can show a new sample that you have in the studio or that you've bought. You can show clients opening things. You can show how it looks on the wall using one of those digital mock-ups that you can you know, create on um, in Photoshop or any number of other places you can create these mock-ups. So people can envision how that canvas is gonna look in a nursery or in a kitchen. And they can start to picture those things in their own home. And that visualization piece where they can envision it in their space, that's the key to the whole thing. Once they can picture it, they want it and they'll pay for it. They'll be happy to. You just have to get them to want it. Yeah. Yeah. I use um, Swift galleries to do like an online visualization and I do, do you have everything delivered to your studio and they pick it up or do you ship it? How are you getting their images to yeah. them or their prints to them? 
yeah, usually it's delivered here and either we pick up or I'll drop it off. Sometimes I like going into their home to do the drop off because it's just one more touch point. That's really personal. And I'm in their space. We sit down, we chit chat, they open up the products and I can take pictures and video if they'll let me and everybody's crying and it's this beautiful moment. And then I get to see, you know, where it's going to be hung and all this kind of stuff. So I like being there for that last little part. Kind of like wrapping up the whole experience but if they're long distance you know sometimes i do have clients who are from out of town that kind of thing i will um uh repackage it here in the studio with my branded packaging and then ship it to them if i need to yep i have a lot of a lot of long distance clients because i mostly do weddings yeah. um and so a lot of stuff gets shipped but i do if they're local i my one of my big kind of marketing mm-hmm. uh baselines is that I have everything come to me and I unbox it and I photograph oh. it and I video it and I have all these like images that I can drop into planally. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I force myself into every other because it's actually harder to do yeah. prints in social media than to just like dump in a whole bunch of like, ooh, look at all these pretty photos. Like it's oh, harder, it's more work. And I also do mock-ups. Um, where I take the time to either rent a studio or go to a place and (laughs) photograph empty frames that I can put images into just to give ideas. So um, I think that if you put the work in, you'll definitely see like going back to that, like, well, who's going to want to get my prints because they can just print them themselves. Like, no, you're going to help them and you're going to like make them look good and you're going to retouch them and they're going to be worth it. So um, any other like low cost marketing ideas, whether it's, you kind of touched on copywriting, like making yourself stand out or including some of those things in your website, like including pictures of products on your website. Um, Do you want to go more into any of those? Are there any other kind of like quick marketing ideas that have worked really well for you? Yeah, we, we talked um, just in prep for this conversation, we talked a little bit about some like inexpensive or free marketing ideas that can work really well. Um, a lot of people know they need to work on marketing, but they don't have a huge marketing budget and that's okay. There's a lot you can do without spending a ton of money. I'll tell you one or two of my favorites that I've used over the years. Um, one thing that I love doing is photography classes for parents. So I will reach out to a former client and I'll say, hey, are you interested in hosting a Saturday morning photography class at your house? Um, I would love to use your beautiful living room. If you've got some friends that you know would like to come, I'd love for you to share the word with them. And um, usually in exchange for this, I'll gift that family like a, uh, a voucher for a portrait session or something like that so that they can get a little, a little gift from me in exchange. And I'll sit down on a Saturday morning and teach a class to parents um, usually tends to be moms, but you know, anyone can come. And it's usually about, I'll do a class on like taking better pictures of your kids with your iPhone <laughs> or with whatever camera you have available. Some people come with a DSLR that they bought last Christmas and they've never taken it out of the box. Some people bring an iPhone, but it doesn't matter because the things that I'm going to talk about in this class are like composition, you know, the rule of thirds and backlighting versus side lighting versus front lighting and showing examples of all of these things. And then we actually will take a kid from that family and we'll take them outside and pose them under the tree and next to the tree and outside and, and show the different types of lighting patterns and these kind of things and let everybody practice taking photos. Well, these lead to these amazing relationships because I've got 10 or 12 people here in the room for three hours with me. I'm able to show them samples of my work as I talk about these different points. I'm able to work one-on-one with them, create really good, strong baseline, you know, relationships. And then to each person, I give a a voucher for a complimentary family session. Now, of course, if they 
you know, want to purchase products, that's going to be additional. They're going to pay my regular pricing, but the actual session fee, I will go ahead and waive for those families. The class is only about $65. So it's not a lot for them. Um, they leave with some great new skills and, you know, we have brunch and it's a lot of fun for everybody. Usually they're all good friends by the time we leave. Um, so it's actually, not only is it inexpensive, it actually pays me because I make a little bit off the class. And then I end up with usually 10 or 12 new families that I can add to my email list, nurture, market to, and a lot of times at least half of them will use that voucher and come in for a session. And those usually lead to great sales. So that's one thing you can do that's not expensive, doesn't take a ton of time, and you're just teaching the things that you already know. So it's not difficult. And just to be clear, um, I'm, just to be clear, because I'm sure people will know, will mostly assume this, but just to make sure they are, when the voucher is covering your session fee, but it does not include any anything beyond the actual session. Yeah, that's correct. So for these, I'm not going to include any products or digitals. They just get a complimentary session and then they buy whatever they want to. And, you know, that's a risk for me. They could come in and do the session and then not purchase anything. I don't think it's ever happened in 13 years of business that someone hasn't bought something. Uh, you may have some low sales, but I've also had some of my highest sales off of those families because it, it tends to be a really good, strong foundation that we've built of like likability and trust. And they love my work and they like me. And so we come in in a really positive space. They're not strangers, you know, and I, it's easier to work with someone you've already built a relationship with than a total stranger. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. When you actually do the session, how much time do you typically spend on a session like that or on any session? Um, so one of the peculiar things about me is I tend to shoot really, really, really fast. Um, I don't do it intentionally. I just, I, I talk fast. I move fast. I shoot fast. I work fast. And so my typical family session is about a half hour. And in that half hour, we're able to like move all around the location, you know, get different areas. Sometimes we do a quick wardrobe change if there's like a Starbucks nearby to run into. Um, and then from that, I'll usually get about 120 images that I call down to 30 and I only let them see 30. So I will do a quick soft edit on those before they see them. And I mean, quick as in five minutes. Um, I'm not spending a lot of time at all. It's like a Lightroom global adjustment, just quick edit. And then they'll order from that batch of 30. Do you set the ordering session up a different day or do you do it the same day? I usually set it up a different day. Um, just because that tends to work better for me since we're out shooting on location, it's a little bit hard then to make it turn into an IPS. Uh, sure, it's different yeah. if you're a studio photographer, that's different, but we're yeah. out at some point somewhere. Right. So I often like to set it for a week later at the same time. That way, you know, I know that time frame worked for their family. It's probably going to work again. So that's what I always start with. Like, can we do this time, you know, the following week? And usually that works really well. Nice. Oh, side note, when you said Starbucks, COVID forced me to buy, finally, I should have done this years ago, a pop-up changing pod. I got it on Amazon. It was well worth it. So everyone, too. Yes. yeah, it's really nice because then they can just pop, pop it up. They can change on site because we used those, to look for bathrooms. Great. And when all the bathrooms closed, I was like, well, I should probably buy this now. <laughs> so that's great, especially for seniors, that kind of thing. They can change three or four times in a session. That takes a while. So the pop-up tent is a great Great choice. Yeah. I'm terrible at popping it back, like folding <laughs> it back up, but I'm getting there. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, Rachel, I know there are lots of steps to this and lots of other details and you have some resources. So why don't you share the resources that you have with everybody so they can follow up and learn a little bit more? 
Yeah. So if you want to learn more, you can go to ipsmastermind.com. I'm always coming up with, you know, different ways to kind of get this information into photographers' hands because it is so life-changing. But my main program is called Revive. It's a monthly membership. So you join for as many months as you want. And uh, it's designed to be really, really simple and step-by-step because we don't want you to feel overwhelmed like you've been dropped into this library of classes and you don't know where to start. So it actually comes with a game board with a little piece that looks like a camera and you actually have a physical game board there. So it's like you're playing a game of Monopoly as you go through the program. So you can track your progress and it takes you through everything from the foundational business basics, setting up your business, getting legal, all that good stuff that we have to do into mindset, you know, dealing with those limiting beliefs that we talked about and the fear, kind of how we work through those things. And then it gets into setting up, you know, the actual nuts and bolts of your business, like your workflow pricing. And then there's a huge portion of probably half the program is marketing marketing because that's such an important area that everybody needs. And along with that um, program that you're going through on your own pace, you get coaching calls with me three or four times a month. There's small group accountability pods. There's so much that we've packed in to revive. It's $99 a month. And if you want to check it out, just go to ipsmastermind.com slash revive, and you can check that out. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes too. Awesome. I might give you a a little coupon for 50% off first month. You want to do that? Yeah, we can do that. So that'll be in the show notes, the coupon, um, look for it wherever you're listening and also on the website at photofieldnotes.com. And I hope you'll all dive in and definitely in one way or another, I think product sales are such a a game-changing thing. And it's not just self-serving. Like, Otherwise, what's the point of taking photos if they're not going to do anything with them? So it's very much a, like a win-win for everybody to be getting some products in your client's hands. Absolutely. Yeah. And clients do want it. They really, really want that. They, we, we just need to help them make it happen. <laughs> yep. All right, Rachel, thank you. Thank you so much, Allie. It was such a joy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check out show notes at photofieldnotes.com. And if you loved this episode, leave your review on iTunes. See you next week.